Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 220 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth. Still a little under the weather, but that will not stop me from uh, Nicol Bolas and his shenanigans more of the Spark preview season. Maybe, maybe the spoilers we talk about today will uh, heal you, make you feel better. Or, or, or destroy <laughs> me and everyone and put loyalty counters on stuff. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> and, of course, content creator extraordinaire, Krim. What's going on today, Krim? Hey, Seth. Morning. Morning. <laughs> uh, good morning or afternoon, depending on your time zone. And and our plan for today is pretty simple. We have a ton of War of the Spark cards to talk about, so we're going to spend pretty much the entire cast talking about some sweet new war cards, and then wrap things up with a little bit of fish mail. So that's the plan for episode 220. Before we jump into it, a reminder that the show today is brought to you by SpikesAcademy.com, the world's first Magic the Gathering e-learning academy, and they got some really cool courses from Hall of Fame level players, PV. VDDR, Seth Manfield, Reduke, really awesome players. So you can check them out over at spikesacademy.com, even get 10% off with the code GOLDFISH. And to learn more, check out Spikes underscore Academy on Twitter. So thank you to them for their support. And with our sponsorship stuff out of the way, uh, I'm going to kick it over to Richard. So Richard, why don't you guide us through a ton of sweet new spoiler cards? All right. We, we had, I think, literally a billion spoilers uh, all of them are good, so we have narrowed it down. So there's so many uncommon planeswalkers, we can't cover all of your favorite characters. So what we've done is we're going to cover the God Eternals, uh, Nicol Bolas, uh, some sweet planeswalkers, and then just random cards we think are good or interesting. Uh, but there's like a ton of planeswalkers we're not going to get to, uh, so you can always check them out at mtgpreviews.com. So starting off, Sahili Sublime Artificer. One hybrid blue-red, hybrid blue-red. So three CMC, five starting loyalty, legendary planeswalker Sahili. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a 1-1 one, one servo. Minus two, target artifact you control becomes a copy of another target artifact or creature you control until end of turn, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. This is probably, in my opinion, the best of the Uncommon Planeswalkers, at least uh, in the sense that I think Sahili might be the one that's most likely to be like a four of main deck type card, which a, a lot of the Uncommon Planeswalkers are powerful and I like them, but they're more like niche sideboard hate type cards. Sahili, it's like a, a young pyromancer. For one more mana that's in two different colors, you can play it in mono blue or mono red, and it doesn't die to lightning bolt and fatal push. I think this card has a lot of potential. I basically just ignore the negative two. Like, I don't even <laughs> really know what you do with that, but I think you just like play this and cast a bunch of faithless lootings and manamorphoses and make a huge board of creatures on a young pyromancer that doesn't die to fatal push. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I, I I'm, I feel like that with most of these new planeswalkers too, like most of the uncommon ones and some of the just rare ones too, but the, the passives are more what I want than anything else that's on there. It's just they're, they're like glorified enchantments. So, and Sahili's definitely one of the ones that I really, really like also in older formats. And I also think that it is definitely something you could play more than like two to three of. So we're, we're talking, what are we talking about? We're talking about modern here. We're talking about legacy. 
We're talking I mean, about standard. I think standard too. I think I mean I think that it can show up in modern as a young pyromancer, but I also think you can do it in standard. We have like the meme kindack that's like just looking to cast a bunch of crash throughs and grow your runaway steamkins. <laughs> Sahili would fit there. It could even be a sideboard plan for like a is it Drake's or is it Phoenix style deck where if your opponent's bringing in ways to like uh, plummet your big flyers out of the sky, you can just go wide with a bunch of ground creatures that your opponent's probably not going to be prepared for because they're not going to leave in cry the carnarium and stuff against your is it Drake deck. So I think it has potential in standard and modern maybe legacy as well like uh, i think it's just a really strong card because of that static ability could you see it in mono red (laughs) in standard maybe i think it depends on your build the mono red builds that we see have what like 20 creatures normally and then maybe like 20 spells and 20 lands like roughly that breakdown that might be a bit more creature heavy than I'd like for a Sahili deck, uh, but I think you could still make it work. I think uh, maybe like a, yeah, like a mono blue shell with like ops could work as well, where you have a lot of cheap cantrips. The other thing I really like about this card is one of my problems with a lot of the uncommon planeswalkers is they don't really protect themselves. Like they seem like they just come down and they're gonna die really quickly on a lot of board states. Sahili, if you wait until like turn four, or turn five, it's pretty easy to play it and then protect it with a servo by like opting or casting a lightning strike or whatever to make a chump blocker yeah yeah so i think modern and legacy are a bit ambitious i i don't know like that one extra mana means a lot these things don't have evasion and i think you actually need to minus two it to do something useful uh i don't know what like you could minus two a relic of progenitor like, i don't know what you would do right like if you were uh no idea what you would do to minus two standard i think this is definitely playable uh sideboard we've seen the uh what's what's the one five thing that makes flyers murmuring we've mystic. seen that played yeah murmuring mystic we've seen that played uh, i can see this like crim said mono red mono blue uh maybe the thing is uh, you do get chain whirlered into oblivion but eh. uh but sahili is pretty strong and i think if we get good artifact creatures like if there's a one drop like if we had bowmout courier or something like that uh, imagine no, changing your bowmout courier into <laughs> no. a chain roller or something right you're like yeah cool right like that minus two becomes relevant so i want to see if we have any incidentally good artifact creatures that you could use uh you know imagine cloning one of your big beaters uh in, in another deck right so interesting we'll see how it goes uh next up we have another planeswalker we have uh, one of Crim's favorite planeswalkers, Ashiok, <laughs> Dream Render. One hybrid Demir, hybrid Demir. <laughs> so three CMC, five starting loyalty, spells and abilities your opponent's control can't cause their controller to search their libraries. Target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard, then exile each opponent's graveyard. That's the minus one. That, it, oh. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm, I'm going to be really excited about this card for, for modern. I was already playing the older one, right? In modern for a little bit. Uh, and I, I think I really like the fact that this, and I, I, okay, first off, let's, 
let's reiterate, I played the older Ashiok and I played Shadow of Doubt in, in the main deck, right? So you're telling me I can get a bit of both on on one Planeswalker? I'm definitely going to try this. Uh, of course, Shadow of Doubt did draw me a card. But yeah, like the fact that uh, it, it can kind of like blank your opponents like fetch lands in modern, I definitely want to try that and play with that. And the fact that every time I minus one, I get to exile each opponent's graveyard is sweet. Graveyard hate is like at an all-time high right now in modern. So I I love this card and I love how how easy it is to cast. Yeah, I I think I'm more excited for this one as a potential modern card too. In standard, I'm not really. I guess you fizzle like Mastermind's acquisition if you run into that is like a searching effect. Does it stop the sideboard option? No, right. Yeah, that they're is not searching true. the library. Searching. So it stops half of Mastermind's acquisition. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I guess you can, like, exile phoenixes or something from the graveyard. Uh, but I don't know. It seems like worse Kaya for standard for the most part, I think. In modern, though, it is pretty interesting. A lot of decks rely on searching their library for fetch lands. Uh, you have expedition maps. You have packs. You have primeval titans. There's a lot of searching going on. So it naturally hates on that. And the graveyard hate, it's like five Tormod scripts. Like, yes, it's three mana to get down initially, but just wiping the graveyard every turn can be extremely powerful. I feel like it's a trap to some extent, though, because I feel like people are going to see this and be like, I'm going to build a mill deck, and they're going to be very sad when that plan does not actually (laughs) come to fruition. Isn't that always how it plays out, though, when you go, I'm going to build the mill deck? (laughs) I I, I think this is a Crim card. I'm not buying it for modern. I I expect Crim to play it and win, but that's just Crim doing and crim things like <laughs> so here's it's it you look at it you're like wow that's like four that's like five tormod scripts but it is not instant speed right so right. your opponent can dump stuff in their graveyard and go off while you're sitting there with your planeswalker that did nothing uh, so that's a problem it doesn't uh yeah, so it doesn't do that, right? So that's a problem. It's not like Leyline where you slap it down and then it just, nothing can happen anymore. So you, you do have that problem. Not searching, I'm guessing you get people, but you're throwing this down on turn three. They've already got like at least two lands up and running. So, eh, I don't know. Like sometimes you're going to get got by this, but I'd rather just play Shadow of Doubt in the original Ashiok, actually. <laughs> like, I think they're better than this one, right? Like... One Maybe. cycles itself. One like is a win con in itself, right? Uh, this one is kind of a hoser, but they can get around it. So, like, do you really want to waste three mana doing this? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to answer that, yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Next up, we have Karn, the Great Creator. Four generic mana, five starting loyalty. Activated abilities of artifacts your opponents control can't be activated. Plus one until your next turn. Up to one target non-creature artifacts becomes an artifact creature with power and toughness each equal to its converted mana cost. Minus two. You may choose an artifact card you own from outside the game or in exile. Reveal that card and put it into your hand. Oh. This card... 
Oh, man, a lot of these planeswalkers I'm more excited about for modern than I am for standard, honestly. Same. This is another one where in standard I'm a little bit like, okay, I guess it's fine. You can get like a treasure map or a sorcerer's spyglass or a mortal sun out of your sideboard, which is some value, but it doesn't seem like it does that much in standard. In modern, though, you can hardlock people with Mycosynth Lattice, which is the combo that's getting the most hype. You just turn all your opponent's stuff, including their lands, into artifacts, and then it's the one-sided stony silence just keeps your opponent from ever doing anything will that be a competitive thing people are gonna try it people are actually like seriously considering trying it in like tron style decks because it takes up very few slots uh but i think the stony silence effect for any color even at four mana has a lot of potential in older formats. Like, with enough ramp, you can get this down by turn three a little slower than Stony Silence, but in modern, only white has Stony Silence, and a lot of decks go as far as, like, splash white just for sideboard cards. So that's, I think the biggest upside to Karn is you get that stony silence effect in any other color, and then you can play, like, one sideboard card and potentially just lock your opponent out of the game. Um, I'm... Like, yeah, this is kind of like how I feel about a lot of these Planeswalkers. I'm, I'm very excited for them in modern. And much like Seth said there, uh, that th- this can go in multiple decks. On top of that, there's so many artifacts. Like, th- there's like an artifact for almost every situation in modern, right? And, and, and the fact that I can, like, just like go ahead and plus or minus and go ahead and grab one at, at any point and have it in the main deck. Like, being up against, let's just say in this situation, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm humoring this out of maybe some control decks too, but, uh, <laughs> like, minusing and immediately grabbing, like, a Witchbane Orb or, like, I don't know, Orbs of Warding against, like, Red Deck Game 1. <laughs> like, I know that, of course, these are 4 and 5 mana cards, but if, if like, my control deck isn't getting that, getting to turns 4 and 5, then I've probably failed, right? So, uh, like, and, like, there's, like, you know, Relic Progenitus, all these, like, artifacts you can pull and, like, put into your sideboard that you're already going to play. Yeah, it's a double tutor out of your sideboard and like Crim said you have so many sideboard uh, hate cards so uh, you know you don't have to go crazy like Crim and get a Witchbane Orb but just getting like a Relic of Progenitus or uh, a Pithing Needle or something like yeah you can actually do that all together before you're dead in Commander do we even have sideboards how does it so it doesn't work on Moto because there is no sideboard in paper can you search I actually researched this, and the official ruling on Wish-type cards, including Karn, is it's up to your playgroup. So if your playgroup lets you, you can, but it's 100% up to your playgroup. I assume that in if you're playing a tournament, it wouldn't do anything, I believe, because there's no sideboard. Uh, But in your kitchen table playgroup... Uh, you can go dig through your binder and grab whatever artifact you want. Yeah, if I you're, think uh, rules uh, committee needs to you. update the rules to have a 15 card sideboard, kind of like you know, in best of one on arena, you, they give you a sideboard for masterminds acquisition. Like now, uh, we need to do this. So, because there, there's many cards that do this nowadays, right? So it's weird that we don't have official rulings. But if they did allow you, you could just make a 15 card toolbox in Commander, and oh, that'd be so good. How? How good do you think it is just for its static ability? Like, the doesn't hurt you stony silence. Everyone plays mana rocks in Commander. Is is this a staple just to lock down your opponent's mana rocks? So if you were playing a Vince deck, yes. Um, <laughs> if you're not, you're immediately going to get killed. So it depends on how well <laughs> you can protect this thing. Uh, you pair it with Mycosynth Lattice and the game is over. 
so people will recognize that so when you throw this down you you better have shields up and no one can kill you but i think it is pretty strong if you can keep yourself alive next up we have the awakening of v2 gazi three green green so five cmc instant put nine plus one plus one counters on target land you control it becomes a legendary 0-0 elemental creature with haste named V2 Ghazi. It's still a land. In fact, like that's, <laughs> maybe I'm in a modern uh, headspace right now, but just putting this on an Ink Moth Nexus seems funny. <laughs> it's it, Yeah, that's a one-shot kill. Yeah. No, it, it never gets a five mana, though. Yeah, exactly. It is five <laughs> mana, but you know what? <laughs> I think I think this card can see playing standard. Like... Yeah. You're you're getting a nine nine for five. Doesn't die uh, to cast. You're down. getting a doesn't die to cast down. It has you're getting a haste, nine nine with haste flash. for six. Like if you have an untapped mana, that's gonna eat basically any ground blocker. And we already have decks that are just kind of looking to curve out big dumb green creatures. Like that's your deck because you're just trying to play like Steel Leaf Champion into whatever No Hide Ferox. Like it seems it doesn't work well with No Hide Ferox in specific, but. I don't know why this couldn't be the top end of your curve in that style deck. And maybe even it could work in a uh, Wilderness Reclamation, like, control shell. A 9-9 flash is not a horrible control finisher if you're, like, doing your thing and then untapping your lands and cast this during your opponent's turn. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking enough? about it. Teamer Reclamation, stuff like that. Uh, you could definitely be playing it there. And as I said, it doesn't die to cast down, which is huge. So that's got to be, like... You know, that, that's going to be stretching a lot of decks answers thin with like, you know, if they're using mortifies, assassins, trophies, contempts and stuff like that. But is it big enough? It's a five mana nine nine vanilla, basically. Right. Is that good enough? So it has haste. Uh, so if you have five mana, it does nothing because uh, you have to tap your land. But if you have six mana, uh, you can slam in there with a nine nine haste. Uh, you can proliferate it. I don't know. Ooh. Uh, doubling <laughs> season power. for the lulls. I don't know. But five mana, nine, nine, dies to removal. Is that good enough? Or does it need to be even bigger? <laughs> like, like, how big does it need to be when it's just a dumb beater? Nine, nine, There's flash. There's also risk, too, that you kind of end, yeah. end up down a land, too, which is, a, is an issue. But the flash is a big upside. Yeah, that's it's instant speed. You can snapcaster it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, although you got to put the counters on the same land, unfortunately. Saltire Reclamation exists in modern. I, I, I know that. I played against it. <laughs> so does Fatal Push. Y yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happens with the creature land? So you do you can this. Still activate it. When you activate it, it overrides the zero zero status. Like if I put this on a raging ravine. Yeah, then it like, becomes wow. an yes. eleven powered uh thing and then you swing and you add another counter on it. Or like nice. you put it on creeping tar pit, it's an unblock. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> creeping tar pit, right? Yeah. <laughs> that could that could work. I mean, I think it's too expensive for Infect, though. Like, it's hilarious that you can one-shot someone with Ink Moth Nexus, but Infect, don't they top out at, like, two mana? Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't even get anywhere close to five mana. They get no lands, so I don't know. Uh, like, I don't know. You can pretend you're a ramp deck and then just randomly kill people <laughs> with the Ink Moth Nexus. <laughs> Actually, that is something I would be afraid of happening in Commander, though. I can imagine people just janking people out in basically any deck you can just play that on ink moth and one shot someone out of nowhere in commander yeah yeah well in commander you're gonna get strip mined so <laughs> <laughs> 
I always forget. <laughs> How could I All ever right. actually? Finale of Promise. It's a mythic, rare, X, red, red sorcery. You may cast up to one target instant card and up to one target sorcery card from your graveyard, each with converted mana costs X or less without paying their mana costs. If a card casts may be put in your graveyard, exile it. If X is 10 or more, copy each of those spells twice. You may choose new targets for the copies. Phoenix. 10 is a lot. <laughs> is it? I don't know. I mean, I guess not in Commander. Yeah, that's in, right, Seth. Cage Sun. <laughs> Gauntlet of Power. Uh, I mean, it, it seems decent. It does, like Crib said, it does get Phoenix back basically all by itself if you have a cheap instant sorcery in the graveyard. Just like this, Faithless Looting, Opt, here comes the Phoenixes. Like, that's a, a thing that could happen. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this one as far as how good it is. Um, I mean, <laughs> think about this. So you can go Cruel Ultimatum, right? <laughs> <laughs> And clearly, we've already got the mana <laughs> to like go to crawl to him. and then you cast this. <laughs> Imagine that! Do it for ten. That's two crawl tomatoes. <laughs> well, that's three cruel ultimatums because you copy each each spell twice, right? Look so you that. get one cruel ultimatum, you get uh, two additional ones, and you get whatever instant you want to cast while you're at. How about three factor fictions or something? Yeah, right? wh- like, why not? <laughs> and some why cruel ultimatums on top of it. It's kind of sweet with, like, Brass's Bounty, too, and Standard, like, Apex of Power. We have some powerful, expensive stuff. If you can ramp into it, it's probably going to win you the game. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we're winning, right? If we're doing this for, like, 10. <laughs> it should. It should get there. Other than that- Any, okay, can we play this in a serious manner, though? Like, can we, uh, I don't know, in Jund, <laughs> cast this for three and Thought sees Lightning Bolt or, like... You know, is there any any way you could actually use this as like a legitimate card? I I think the answer there is like maybe Phoenix decks. Yeah. In modern yeah. can use it as a or in standard. Like I think that's the most likely home. You have to have a lot of spells. Uh, and it does open you up to graveyard hate if but I guess you already are if you're playing Phoenix. Yeah. But it does seem good enough. Uh, just like turn one faithless looting discard a lightning bolt or whatever turn three this guarantees that you're not only getting back your phoenixes but reusing your stuff from the graveyard so maybe uh, the, the downside is like if they lock your graveyard this card does nothing so you're playing another card that like is already soft to what your deck is soft to so i don't know if that'll be a issue but i think that's the most likely home as far as tier decks yeah the pitch is the faithless looting it's fine <laughs> <laughs> can even cast faithless looting though <laughs> <laughs> all right next up we have enter the god eternals two blue blue black so five cmc sorcery it's a rare enter the god eternals deals four damage to target creature and you gain life equal to the damage dealt this way target player puts the top four cards of the library into their graveyard a mass four sweet <laughs> this I mean, I like. I think this card is super sweet. Um, I, I, I would. I, I think it'd be too broken if it were four mana. But, but like, I, I, I don't know. I, I personally love this card, and I'm going to try it in standard. I want to try that with like you know maybe like the God Eternal Kefnet, um, and whatnot. Like some kind of like tap out 
blue black x mid-range deck uh, i mean grixis is already looking pretty sweet right now in standard if you do grixis mid-range uh even saltai mid-range if you want to and and it's a removal it, it does just so many things yeah this seems like to me this card also seems pretty insane i feel like the best amass cards are the cards that you don't play in an amass deck like i think it's like a one or two of in some sort of mid-range or control deck it's a it's a four four for five that deals four, so it's probably gonna kill most things, and it gains you four life, and it incidentally helps you like flip your search for his counter or whatever if you want cards in your graveyard for some reason. That feels like a really powerful, like almost ravenous chupacabra like style card that could be very strong in standard. Yeah, and the milling helps you kill the gods, which we're about to talk about because they tuck uh, three deep. It's like, I don't know, like a, a six for one or something. Like you're doing like a million things here. You're dealing damage. You're getting a creature. You're gaining life. You're milling, right? So it does a ton of things. Uh, the question is, the five drop slot is so full of stuff. Is it good enough? Like, would you play this or a Lyra? Would you play this or like a Vivian Reed? Would you play this or Tulsimer? Like, I don't know. You have like so many options. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But it it does look good. It is, like, a lot of text (laughs) on one card. The life gain is actually really helpful, too. Like, if you're playing a slower control deck, just that... Imagine against, like, any of the aggro decks in the format. You're killing their creature, you're gaining four life, and you're making a 4-4 that's going to probably block any creature in the mono-red or mono-white deck. Like, if you live long enough to cast this, it feels like it just beats aggro essentially all by itself if you're playing mid-ranger control. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I mean, (laughs) what doesn't it do? (laughs) I I love it. It, But Richard, you are right though. It is, it is coming down at the five slot and uh, there, there's a lot there, but I, will you play this over to fairy? Well, well, (laughs) why don't we play them together? (laughs) And just load up with more fives. (laughs) Five drop tribal incoming. That's his curve. It's like 30 I, lands and all five drops. <laughs> I, I think, I genuinely think, though, this could be played out of, like, a tap-out control deck or, yeah, like, out of Grixis specifically. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, you can get it back with Promise, the finale of Promise or whatever. My, my uh, thing is just copying it with Kefnet. It's two less. Yeah. It's three mana. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Uh, do, have we talked about Feather? We haven't talked about Feather yet, have we? I don't think we talked about Feather. Let's talk about Feather the Redeemed. Red, white, white. So three CMC. Legendary creature Angel. Uh, a rare 3-4 flying. When you cast an instant or sorcery that targets a creature you control, exile that card instead of, instead of putting it into your graveyard as it resolves. If you do, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. Eh? I mean, it's another, it's another really good angel for like the Boros Angel curve. The problem, one of the problems with Boros Angels is their angel curve is just so top heavy. So even just a, a three mana, three, four angel is pretty relevant for whatever Mardu Angels, Boros Angels. The ability, I love it. It's really fun. I expect that we'll probably build an against the odds deck around it, but 
I would be surprised if competitive standard decks were actually built around Feather's ability at this point. Maybe if, like, Heroic returns in a future set, well, it'll change the equation. It seems like an awesome build around Commander, though. This card has had major financial impacts with uh, Commander cards being bought out from people building Feather the Redeemed Commander decks. Like, what can you actually do with this, like, bouncing... Like, what's a good spell to target Feather with? It seems like uh, Aurelia's Fury is one of the big <laughs> ones that people are are kind of going crazy with. Which didn't is they go crazy cute. over that once before? <laughs> there was there was a time when that card was like fifty dollars, and then no one ever played it. <laughs> uh, pump spells? You could do pump spells. Uh, I don't know That's... things that draw you cards. Yeah. Heroic, what is it? Mighty heroic leap. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, it doesn't die to cast down. <laughs> I mean, it is a three mana three four flying. It is just actually pretty solid in stats. Yeah. And the legendary is huge because like you just add another threat that you know like an Esper deck can't cast down. Uh, stuff like that. So. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Ilharg the Razebor. Oh, yeah. Three red, red, six, six, legendary creature, boar god, mythic. Trample, when Ilharg attacks, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. Return that creature to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. When Ilharg dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library, third from the top. <laughs> this card's so sweet. Yeah. It it's whole it does a lot of things that I I mean it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think this is a very powerful, 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 powerful card. Um, I I I know there's a lot of like memes I want to do with it in modern, but mostly <laughs> like in standard right now, like this just it's just a very good five drop. And I, I mean, th like the only time that it's not that great is like if you're empty handed, but even then, like it's still a five mana six six with trample, so. Uh, I, I, I don't hate it at all. Yeah, I think uh, it seems like just based on stats, it's solid. And there's also some really sweet tricks you could do with it. Uh, in standard, uh, Gishath, I think, is the dinosaur <laughs> that when it deals damage, you get to like reveal that many cards and put all the dinosaurs into play. That's pretty sweet, especially if you can like haste this in with Rhythm of the Wild or something. And then in modern or slash commander potentially uh Medomia the Ageless infinite turn combo uh it's a 4/4 four, four fire for 6 that when it deals combat damage you get to take an extra turn but then it can't attack during extra turns but since it's going into play attacking you're not technically attacking so that just gives you infinite turns and the other one that's really cool that I expect to be sweet in commander is the original Rakdos uh <laughs> you know what that does Richard that seems like a a commander card you would know Mm, no, what does what the original Rakdos Rak do? Rakdos the Defiler, two double black, double red, uh, seven six flying trample. When it attacks, you have to sacrifice half of your non-demon permanence, round it up. But when it deals combat damage to a player, that player sacrifices half of their non-demon permanence, round it up. So since you're never attacking, you never have to sacrifice anything, but you can just haste this in and make your opponent sacrifice literally half of their permanence. Pretty sweet. Value. <laughs> <laughs> so, standard-wise, I don't know what to do with it. It's the 5-mana 6-6 six, six that dies immediately. Uh, if it somehow lives, 
the ability to dash your creatures in, so have an attack go back to your hand, is actually very powerful. The problem is uh, Ilharg stays on the battlefield, so Ilharg's going to die. So uh, we saw before when we had the dash mechanic, what you do is just keep dashing in your creatures. Uh, Krim is sitting across the table with Kaya's wraths and stuff like that. And he's really sad because it's sorcery speed. Uh, and then you finish him off like that, right? But Ilharg stays on the battlefield, so Krim can still Kaya's wrath and remove Ilharg, even though the dashed creature uh, sits there. But you can reuse... It's like a panharmonicon in a sense. You get to reuse all your ETBs by repeatedly slamming them. Uh, but I don't know that it's good enough. It's five mana six six. I think it'll be more fun in Commander with all the combos Seth was talking about. Like five mana six six is not good. We have a five mana nine nine. Uh, creatures are quite big nowadays, so I don't know that five mana six six trample cuts it. You really need to take advantage of that uh, that dashing ability. I mean, what do you guys think of the kill ability though? But but the Richard. Richard. What what yes. about what about the six six swinging and then putting in a carnage tyrant and then returning the carnage tyrant because you can never ever board wipe that carnage tyrant while this is here. <laughs> That's good, but then you're gonna board wipe the Ilharg and then and then you, we're back and then you to where play we are, your six right? land and then you play carnage tyrant <laughs> and it's like oh god I can't I can't deal with it anymore. What do you guys think about the new uh, god mechanic where you put it? You put it uh, into its owner's library, third from the top. The gods are weird. They're they're weird on two levels. First off, these are the first gods that you don't need any condition. They just are come down and they are gods as they are, which is unique. Uh, they're more powerful that way, but I don't know if I like that it's straight away from needing to have a condition met, which is like the traditional god mechanic. As far as the protection mechanic... I think it's the weakest protection mechanic we've seen, most likely. It's nice that it dodges exile. It's kind of rough that you have to skip a draw step to get your god back. I guess in Commander, it's kind of cool that it's a really risky way to get around the Commander tax. If your Commander is really expensive, you could just like put it in your deck and hope that no one mills you or Field of Ruins you, and you get to cast it without the Commander tax. So, eh, I mean... I don't know. It's fine, but not really exciting to me. I, I think it's just, I love it because it dodges exile. So, uh, any, anything that can like get around the contempt thing, cause like, it, oh, contempt and then be done with it, right? That, but now they continuously come back. On top of that, uh, slower decks without win conditions can, can uh, <laughs> definitely play this. Yeah. I, I don't like this new mechanic because it's like, card disadvantage like, i don't know right like it's costing you a card so you're not saving anything as opposed to like the indestructible nature of the old gods so this is like your opponent to fairy tucked it except didn't use it to fairy to you know like i don't know it doesn't feel good right it's like it's effectively dead like three turns in magic is a long time right and you got to respend your mana and you got to uh use a card for it so i feel like they're not really indestructible or anything like that right like they pretty much die if it's like a real haymaker you're getting it back in three turns but uh, it's almost the same as if it just died right like if you have four copies of a card in your deck you're like there's some percentage chance it's near the top like i, I don't know like i feel like they don't feel godlike to me they, they clearly got smacked by nickel bolus and they're just like regular <laughs> legendary creatures on, on the other hand, though, it doesn't apply to Ilhrog uh, in specific, but the other gods have 
sweet enter the battlefield abilities. So you do get like some sort of upside that you get to reuse the enter the battlefield ability, which you wouldn't get with the other forms of protection, like indestructibility or whatever. So I, I do like that aspect of it. Like that is a, a fringe benefit to this sort of protection, but skipping your draw step is a little bit rough and having to respend the mana can be rough. Plus you just like, there's a lot of things that seem to get rid of them permanently. Like, from Field of Ruin forcing you to shuffle to all these random Mill 4 effects that we're seeing in the set. So it doesn't seem like it's that likely you're going to even get your god again if your opponent doesn't want you to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who said that? That's so weird. <laughs> all right. Now we're going to go to... So so Ilharg is a god. Here are the gods that we most recently saw uh, on Avaket. So we have God Eternal Bantu. Three black, black, five CMC, five, six menace. When Bantu enters the battlefield, sacrifice any number of other permanents, then draw that many cards. Uh, when Bantu dies or is put into exile from the graveyard or from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library third from the top. Uh, I mean, this, this one actually gets around the whole you don't really draw, you skip a draw step. Right. Cause now you can sack your lands, which means you can bring it in and play it with like world reshaper or whatever that green merfolk is. Uh, yep. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of things you could do with this, I think. And I, this one is kind of, kind of a sleeper. I think, I think this will actually be pretty decent. Yeah. I think that Bantu is actually pretty good. I think it does most likely need to be played in a specific deck that actually wants to sacrifice stuff. Maybe, I guess, it could be okay if you just, like, get to the late game and have a ton of extra lands that you don't need. But I feel like if you build around it with, like, afterlife creatures, cruel celebrant, anything that wants to be sacrificed or stuff that comes back from the graveyard, this seems like it's really powerful because the base stats are good, and it seems pretty easy to build a deck where this is, like, a creature that's fine on its own that also like draws you five cards or something almost for free if you're sacrificing the right stuff or even for value when it comes into play uh like, yeah like what about uh mardu aristocrats right like people were playing around with that at the beginning of ravnica allegiances and now you kind of have uh some draw and, and you know like of course judith can ping people down in standard and you'll have like you said afterlife creatures and tokens and whatnot yeah and if you can recur anything uh, there's a bunch of cards where you can just return everything to the battlefield that died this turn. Like, cha-ching, you cash in, sack your whole board, hope your spell doesn't get countered, and then <laughs> draw a bunch of spells and return everything back. Uh, so I think Bantu will have a lot of fun in Commander. Uh, kind of sucks that's just a, she's just a 5-6 menace. Uh, should at least like have, I don't know, something else. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weak body, but you're just using Bantu, like... Seth, isn't this your dream card? Like, something in the command zone that's basically a card draw spell? <laughs> I definitely <laughs> plan on playing a lot of Bantus in Commander. Yeah, like, uh, it seems really easy to just always have a full hand if this is your Commander. Yeah. Uh, okay, next up, we have God Eternal Ronus. Three, green, green, five, five, death touch. When God Eternal Ronus enters the battlefield, double the power of each other creature you control until end of turn. Those creatures gain vigilance until end of turn. When Ronus dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it in its owner's library third from the top. This is a god I'm most scared of in standard. 
this the doubling of power seems like it should be good at closing out games on turn five pretty well uh we already have decks that just feel like natural homes like gruel midrange because what uh, what it really wants, what Ronus really wants is creatures with some form of evasion. So in a deck like Gruul, you already have, like, Gruul Spellbreaker with Trample. You already have Rekindling Phoenixes and Skargan Hellkites. You can potentially play, like, Galta that has Trample. <laughs> and then you play this, and you double the power on all that, and it just closes out the game. And, like, one at ear, Galta is a 24 power <laughs> Trampler. Like, how do you not die to that? So, I think this god, in the right decks, like, the green stompy slash green X mid-range stompy decks seems like a really powerful addition to those decks yeah I, I agree that, that's the first thing I was thinking of just Grohl can't really see it anywhere else uh, but definitely with Grohl so yeah. you know Carnage Tyrant Carnage Tyrant just got a lot bigger <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this card is so good so I'm to just play six mana Kaya hope I don't die before I untap <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> oh this card is so good like just like a steel leaf champion, just like a single steel leaf champion becomes a, a ten, a ten four. Like that's like half your life total, right? Assuming you have like no board, nothing. Uh, you can imagine go wide decks with this. Like there's so much you can do. Commander, you can go nuts if you have like Xenagos with this thing. Like just gets out of control so fast, right? It's better than Overrun in my opinion, uh, and respectable body on its own. I, I think this will be the nuts and I want to make like a 50-50 and smash someone's face in like <laughs> oh this is this is such a Timmy card <laughs> do, you, do you like it as a commander or just to like play it in the 99 of like Xenagos or whatever I fear it in the sense that everyone sees the overrun coming so you're gonna die <laughs> right like the minute you have any legitimate looking board everyone's like so you cast Ronis and then kill everyone huh so I, I don't know about that. It would be sweet if you could hide it. But the fact that everyone knows that Overrun is coming is a little scary. Uh, but I, I think it's pretty good. Uh, I think as part of the 99, I think uh, in a Xenago stack, it'd be pretty good. All the green card draw spells that are based off the power of a creature uh, got way better with God Eternal Ronis. So yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, next up, we have God Eternal Kefnet. Two blue blue, four five. Mythic flying. You may reveal the first card you draw each turn as you draw it. Whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery this way, copy that card and you may cast the copy. That copy costs two less to cast. When Captain dies, put it third from the top. Love it. Love it. Miracles. <laughs> this card is so sweet. <laughs> I this I mean what Kefnet was arguably the worst god last time around. <laughs> so they had it. Yeah. So they had to boost them this time, and I and I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you have Enter the God Eternals. Uh, and I know there are. I don't know if I should say it because then it makes people aware of it. But yeah, people are talking about it online with like Nexus of Fate, and and yes, I I <laughs> I hate Nexus of Fate. But uh, like, there's tons of things you could do with this, and like in a turns deck, maybe in modern, you could try to do it there. Uh, and of course. Uh, th this card in standard has tons of like just applications in that if I'm able to like just get a chemist's insight or anything like that, <laughs> I definitely don't hate it. You know what's dumb? It doesn't even cost you the card. Like you get a copy, so you get to draw the actual card and then cast another one that's cheaper. You're, like yeah, it is so 
ridiculous. And now uh, when you opt and things on your opponent's turn, you basically get a free spell if your deck is full of spells. So uh, pretty overpowered. Blue-red, yeah. I think this is... Like, yeah, blue red, some sort of like counter burn or yeah. spell slinger deck. I think the w- only weird part of God Eternal Cafnet is it's a little weird with counter spells and reactive spells. Like, uh, that's why I think like mono blue tempo, like, even though they have a lot of spells, they're not spells that you actually really want to copy because hitting a counter spell on your upkeep like isn't going to do anything so i feel like you want to play this in some sort of almost like a wizard style deck where you have an aggressive clock and you double up your wizards lightnings and uh your card draw spells i feel like that's more of the shell or some sort of deck that's uh, more of a control deck that isn't as reliant on counter spells but definitely one of the sweeter i think this might be my favorite god from the set it just seems really fun to build around it also seems really fun in commander too Oh yeah, this and top. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no, no. Well, at least it's not demons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, demon zombie god. There we go. That's what I needed. <laughs> I mean, just bust out the portents and the ops and like, oh, this is why miracles. Why? <laughs> this looks uh, so okay. Funny. Next up, we have uh, Niv Mizzet Reborn. Wuburg. So one of each color. White, blue, black, red, green. 6-6 six, six, legendary creature, dragon avatar, flying. When Niv Mizzet enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each color pair, choose a card that's exactly those colors from among them. Put the chosen cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Hmm. Well, Five mana, six six. In the perfect world, it's a draw ten. Um. <laughs> I mean, the good news it is a dragon, so you have like dragon's horde in standard. You have Sarkin. You have ways to fix the mana and ramp into it. Chromatic lantern, and I think like a chromatic lantern, and I think when you consider it's a. Five mana six six, which is already like Doom Whisperer stats, a very powerful evasive creature. I think people are gonna get too caught up in like the magical Christmas land. As weird as it <laughs> sounds coming from me, like I don't think you build your deck to try to draw ten cards. I think if you hit it like two cards with this, that's a very powerful effect on a six six flyer that draws you two cards when it enters the battlefield and some sort of like card selection involved as you're looking through your top ten. So I feel like maybe five color dragons have has a chance in standard the only weird thing is is this even good in commander i guess if you want to build like guild tribal and try to draw 10 with it maybe it's fine but it seems like it's pretty bad compared to other five color dragon commanders okay how many cards do you need to draw on average for you to say this is a good card one in standard or commander <laughs> if it's seth uh, one. Let's, <laughs> both let's say both because, like, no, like, realistically, no one's drawing 10, okay? If you draw 10, you, congratulations, you've <laughs> manipulated your library, and you probably could have done it in a way to win the game outright. <laughs> but, uh, like, if I draw, like, say, two cards off this, or three cards off of this, is that good enough? Oh, yeah. Yes. I think if you draw two, if you draw, people played Cloudblazer. And it was a a two two for five that drew two cards. Yeah, but Cloud Laser didn't cost five different <laughs> colors of mana to cast. Easy. I mean, yeah, it limits the decks that you can put it in. Uh, that's definitely true. But I think if you hit two cards with it, that's more than a fine deal. Like, let's say I play a two color deck, 
with chromatic lantern for some reason <laughs> right would you play this in there as a you know i'm gonna draw one card or let's say i'm playing a three color deck so i could draw two to three cards i would you would definitely slot this in right if you're already playing five colors then yeah then no, no, you're, you're playing like in. two three colors I was like, no one can realistically play five colors, like say, uh, say it's standard. You can't play like five colors and actually play like an even split of all the guilds. Like there's well, no way you're I, casting anything, right? Okay. So I guess I'd be like, if you're already playing five color mana base, yeah, like yeah, if yeah. your deck is already built to make the mana work fine, then I think the answer is yes. If you're like trying to splash two additional colors just so you can cast Niv, then I don't know. Like that sounds a little bit sketchy to me to try to like splash colors for it. But if you're already playing chromatic lantern and playing like chromatic black or something where you already have access to the mana to cast Niv, then I think two to three color deck uh, as far as cards you can hit is definitely a good deal. Isn't there some land in standard that like filters five colorless into one of each color? It's a, it was an Amonkhet. <sighs> I think it rotated. Oh, it yeah, there was, one, right? but it's gone now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, if you can draw two cards, this card is worth, but <laughs> I, for me, I think this is mostly just EDH. Yeah, I, I don't even know if it's good in EDH. Like, if you're building a Ravnica themed deck, then all right, go for it, right? But other than that, I don't know that you can get enough color pairs in your deck to, to make it good. And I don't know that you want to run that many. Well, you know, when we, when we run all the gold cards, like, only some of them are good. Like, well, so, example, you get, like, Croesus, you can grab other, like, the uh, the older Elder Dragons, right? Yeah, I guess like that's true. Like, Treva and, and Croesus and, and, and whatnot, Darigas, either. Oh, there's already really good five-color dragon commanders, though. But they don't draw you a card <laughs> for each <laughs> guild. <laughs> Uh, i mean people probably try it but all right all right let's let's skip to the end game here we finally have nickel bolus (laughs) (laughs) nickel bolus dragon god yeah yeah blue black 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 red so five cmc grixis Four starting loyalty. Nickel Bolus Dragon God has all loyalty abilities of all other planeswalkers on the battlefield. Plus one. You draw a card, each opponent exiles a card from their hand or a permanent they control. Minus three, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Minus eight, each opponent who doesn't control a legendary creature or planeswalker loses the game. This is just always going to be the best planeswalker on the field, right? Like, (laughs) <laughs> like, well, not necessarily I mean it's so good like I get it Teferi can come down and tuck but like if Nico Bolas is like going second you know Nico Bolas comes down after Teferi it's like well I tuck Teferi then it's like okay sure and that, that plus one ability is always going to be good like you draw a card each opponent exiles a card from their hand or permanent they control what what <laughs> what <laughs> Dude, oh my god, yeah, that's, that's so good. <laughs> I'm not even... Not even I, discard, exiles. <laughs> yeah, like, like, and it's a permanent they control. So, let's say we get them, like, hellbent, they're out of cards, and, and they have no cards in hand. Like, it's like, okay, well, I guess you've got to you start exiling a land, right? And, and I'll draw a card. Why not? <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, it, it it's basically like disinformation campaign. I think is like a pretty good comparison. Like how you're drawing a card and putting your opponent down a card. Uh and it has a hero downfall attached to it and it can just win the game. I think that Nicobolas is probably the best planeswalker in the set. Like it is restrictive as far as casting costs, so you've got to be Grixis or four or five colors to play it. But I think even ignoring the really fun text of stealing all the other Planeswalkers' abilities, even if there's no other Planeswalkers on the battlefield, this is a super powerful 5-mana Planeswalker, and then you can do cool tricks, like using Dovin's ability to get the loyalty up to ultimate quicker, or like you can go infinite with Jace Cunning Castaway <laughs> and Oath of Teferi making a ton of Nicoval losses, so there's some really cool things you could do, uh, could do that way, which uh, is fun as well, but I think just as a finisher in Grixis control, curving uh, M19 Nicole Bolas into this, that's a lot of Nicole Bolas value. Yeah, like, well, for- All right, here, here, here is the true question. I, I actually don't think this is the best Planeswalker. So what? I'm going to test Krim right here. Would you play Nicole Bolas or would you play Teferi? No comment. Because... <laughs> <laughs> He looks oppressive, but I'm like, okay, hold on, though. Barry's pretty good, man. Like two different decks, though. I mean, I I would say, yeah, that's true, right? Like two different different decks. I I, this this would now give Grixis like an option, like a Teferi power, like level of power at five, right? So I mean, I I, obviously I would love like the don't 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 question it because you know I sat there and thought about it. (laughs) Can I play them together, right? <laughs> but uh, realistically, the answer is no. Uh, but but like separately in, in a Grixis deck, whether it's the tap out Grixis or maybe for some odd reason there's a Grixis control deck, but until you can deal with enchantments, you're most likely Grixis midrange. Um, so this gives you that same power level that you would get from Teferi, but now you have it in Grixis and you're doing work. Like this is going to continue to eat at your control opponent's hand. Uh, this is just that plus one. I like, yeah, you're right. If you ignore the static ability, that plus one is bonkers. That minus is bonkers. This is just a, a an absurdly powerful card. Yeah. I don't know if it's better than Teferi, but I think it's the best Planeswalker in the set. And I think people will build decks around it. Like, this is a reason to play, like, Grixis Control and Standard now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, like, I think it's actually just as good as old Nicol Bolas, the creature. Uh, the 4-4 four, four flying that discards. Like, it's good. You'll play it if you're playing these colors. But I don't think it's going to be Teferi where, like, you're just going to warp your deck to play Teferi and everyone will play it and you'll see it all over the place. I think it'll just have a home in Grixis. I think this mana cost is actually very difficult. Like, what this means is you need triple black, a blue to red, and uh, you can't be sharing colors, right? Like, for example, you can't use a watery grave as your black and your blue. Right, so it's you actually have to have like five distinct mana colors, which is way more difficult. Uh, like you, you know how many times you like can't cast Cryptic Command? Like this is way worse than that, right? So I, I think it is restrictive. So I, I think Grixis will play it, but I expect that it won't be as ubiquitous as we've seen other Planeswalkers in the past, like the fairies, Karns, and I, I'm I'm even gonna say that another Planeswalker in the set will see way more standard play than. The nickel ball is. You mean Liliana? <laughs> I don't know. Even even one of the uncommon ones. 
We'll see I, I more mean, actual play than uh, Nicol Bolas. This, this, that might crib be true, depends just... if you win the next Mythic Invitational or not using Nicol Bolas. <laughs> so there's a challenge. It might challenge. be true just because you can, you can fit those other ones in a lot more decks. Yeah. So I think you, you might be right. I think like if you're playing Grixis, Control, or Midrange, like a very high percentage of those decks are going to play the new Nicol Bolas. But as far as playing the format altogether... You're right, it's probably some monocolored or one of the random hybrid planeswalkers that everyone's going to put in their sideboard or something. Yeah, like this- The good news is, Nicol Bolas does kill Teferi. <laughs> like, <laughs> just minus three amount of existence. <laughs> like, like that's the, that's why I like Nicol Bolas. I mean, yeah, he won't be, like, you know, played as much as, let's just say, like, a Liliana or Karn or something, but Nicol Bolas, coming out of the deck that it is going to be played in, will be the best card. I think it will be one of the best cards in that deck. So, like, if I'm pl- if I see the Grixis color mana base, I'm definitely sweating Nicobolus for sure. <laughs> like, oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Deliver Unto Evil Two to Black. Choose up to four target cards in your graveyard. If you control a Bolus Planeswalker, return those cards to your hand. Otherwise, an opponent chooses two of them. Leave the chosen in your graveyard. Put the rest in your hand. Exile deliver unto evil. Beautiful. Yeah. Three like mana draw four. Ungiven. Or should be instant, but all right. <laughs> I'll yeah. accept. It is not gifts, okay? Like you, you can't <laughs> tutor these cards. It's like if you had buried alive attached to this, then we're talking. <laughs> <sighs> I think it's really good. I mean I mean, even if you're only getting two cards, it's still pretty decent value uh, for three mana. And if you get four cards, it's insane value. So, uh, and the art is so good. Yeah, Seth the art. just does the best art. It's this so, art is so crazy. Good. It's gorgeous. I love how the Planeswalkers are drawn. That, oh. <sighs> I love how it's not like the generic magic art that we usually get, right? Um, but is this, would you play this? Is this good? I think. It well hmm. okay. If you have Nicol Bolas, clearly it's good. Okay, but let's say you don't have Nicol Bolas. Your opponent gives you like your two fetch lands, and you're like, "Cool story, bro." Divination, like I don't know, like is it is it really playable? I think it depends on the deck. Like if you if you can stock four good cards in your graveyard, then it's probably pretty good. If you are having to pick fetch lands, then. <laughs> then it's not as good or exciting. And in standard, we already have, like, Fine Finality, which gets back for two mana the two creatures that you choose, which might just be better. Like, that's that's where you could see this card uh, being played, is in a similar way to Fine Finality. But is it better than Fine Finality in a deck like Golgari? Eh, it might not be. I mean, on, it, it's not like I'm casting this on turn three unless I'm firing off, like... Duress, <laughs> like double duress, and then, and then getting one duress back. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, you, you're not casting this on three. I, I don't know how good it will be in standard. So I, I see this as more of something maybe in like EDH, but like standard now. Yeah. And uh, this is why I always read my piles while playing commander. This one you choose. <laughs> You choose the ones in the graveyard and the other ones go to the hand. All right. Uh, last card we want to talk about. Nicol Bolas has been channeling this spell since like the beginning of time, and it's a good one. <laughs> the Elder Spell. Black, black, sorcery rare. Destroy any number of target planeswalkers. Choose a planeswalker you control. Put two loyalty counters on it for each planeswalker destroyed this way. This is amazing. <laughs> It's so flavorful. Uh, 
for what an elder spell is and you know with what Nico Bolas is trying to do but destroying any number of planeswalkers oh I don't have to play Star of Extinction anymore huh <laughs> this is great <laughs> and then on top of that I get to like ult and like it, it this could be paired with Teferi or with Nico Bolas or whatever and we can get to that emblem even faster yeah, uh, this card is is very good. I'm almost surprised that they printed it because they are pretty in a set with so many planeswalkers, and this is just like two mana plague wind for your opponent's planeswalkers, which it seems like it just shuts down an entire archetype. And you can definitely do cool things by putting counters on yourself. There are some planeswalkers where, uh, like Nicobolas, for example, like if you kill two planeswalkers, you immediately get to ultimate and you probably just like win the game because you killed all your opponent's planeswalkers. So the ultimate's going to be lethal. Uh, and you could do that with some other planeswalkers as well, like Angrath, uh, the new Jace, Rowl. If you can hit two planeswalkers with it, it jumps you up to ultimate. And the other thing is uh, that I think maybe is not maybe going to be overlooked is you can use this in your planeswalker deck just as a way to get one of your planeswalkers up to ultimate quicker and potentially win the game like you can destroy your own planeswalkers if getting the loyalty on one planeswalker is worth it so yes card feels very strong especially in a standard where we have so many planeswalkers running around would you main board it because like you gotta this this is still a card though that only hits a planeswalker. I mean, I think it depends on what the meta looks like. Would I main board it in our current standard format? No. Uh, will War of the Spark standard be different? It might be. Like, if every deck is running planeswalkers because we have so many in the set, then I think it's in the conversation for main deck, but I would not main deck it in our literal current standard format right now because you're not going to hit anything against, like, several of the top-tier decks. Yeah, and, and, and that's my thing. Like, if... If, like, mono blue stays the way it is, or, like, mono red, it's like, cool, I have this two mana, I essentially just skipped a draw, right? <laughs> so, I'm hoping that, like, like, though this card is absurdly powerful, uh, I think it may be a sideboard card. Yeah, yeah. That, that's definitely possible, depending on the meta. Yeah, so, uh, this card is really, it's like two mana, kill a planeswalker. Uh, this is important because your opponent say to fairies on the play, you can elder spell, they negate, you negate back, and then it's good to go. Uh, so being two mana is like a huge upside as opposed to the other play pattern where they to fairy, you Vraska's Contempt, they counter and you're sad. Uh, it also fixes the play pattern of your opponent has a ticking to fairy, a ticking Kaya, you've got nothing, uh, you top deck elder spell and suddenly you fix the board state. So we have a catch-up mechanic. And like Seth said, you can murder your own Planeswalkers, which normally you don't want to do. But remember, we are in uncommon Planeswalker territory where, say, you have an Ashiok, you've minused a couple times. Uh, now it's just sitting there doing kind of nothing. You can eat Ashiok to pump your Nicol Bolas or I would never. your Liliana or whatever. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it just does so much. And uh, Krim's point is, is valid. It doesn't hit creatures, so it's probably sideboard material depending on uh, what the meta looks like. But when you cast this, I am pretty sure it will always feel really good when you cast the spell. Yeah, I definitely agree there. It, it will be a very powerful spell when you cast it. It's just not... I'm waiting for Planeswalker Week on Commander Clash. I call Black. (laughs) 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 Gonna murder like eight Planeswalkers at once with the Elder spell. No problemo. Planeswalker (laughs) Week? Like, yeah. Like, if I'm not playing Black, I'm not playing. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Uh, all right. All right. Last, last, last card. I'm going to sneak in because I'm a Timmy, and we got to talk about this. Parhelion two. Oh come on. Six. <laughs> Six white white. Five five. It's a legendary artifact vehicle. Flying. First strike vigilance. When it attacks, create two four four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance that are attacking. Crew four. Well it's a for- Star Destroyer, guys. Like- <laughs> I, I think I saw it somewhere on online. I forgot they dubbed it the name of like Geist of Saint Aircraft or something like that. <laughs> like, That's thirteen power <laughs> attacking. That's so expensive in every possible way. You could get it with Karn too out of your sideboard. <laughs> you could just cheat it into play. Yeah, but even if you cheated into play, then you need four power of creatures like because that's what I heard everyone say like oh you like tinker this out or you trash for treasure in it but then you need four power of creatures to even do anything they should have made it like a star destroyer like a planeswalker it's, through it. it's a fly I don't even know what it is it's like a flying building okay like angels are flying out of it they're killing you and then and then the angels can then crew it on other turns Imagine think- if you somehow flashed and Ronis on top of this. <laughs> sure. Do you think you'd even play this in Commander, where everyone has stuff to kill artifacts? Like, can you even play this in Commander? You, you could play anything in Commander, Seth. You could play anything. This- <laughs> you, you're going to mock it now, but when I cast it, you're going to be like, guys, you're going to kill me. He has a Farhelion 2 out. Like, what are we going to do? Why do I have a cast down in Commander? I don't know, but I can't cast it down. <laughs> it has Vigilance, so you can attack with it, and then the new angels that come out can crew it to block. It's so good. It's- I'm just happy it's a Star Destroyer. Like, look, look at this thing. Like, what is the story is- here? There, there's like battleships on, on, on Ravnica. Like, what is happening? And why does this totally kill the Weatherlight? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what is going on? I forgot about Weatherlight. That's just how much that card is this, a benefactor. This is like, we're going to war. It is serious. Bring, <laughs> bring in the ships. <laughs> bring in the big guns. <laughs> Give me the Death Star next. <laughs> Give me like the 20 mana, like 30 30 artifacts. That's Parhelion 3, dude. It's probably yeah. three. <laughs> we got to we got to wait for the engineers to upgrade it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that wraps up our previews. We're gonna talk about there are a ton more. So be sure to check out the site. Uh, Seth has daily videos talking about all of them. Uh, so yeah, let's move on to fish mail real quick. We just have a couple fish mail since we're running long. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Hantree Game. Hi Seth, big fan. How do you maintain your crazy level of enthusiasm for the game? I've lost much of my passion since the PPTQ system is abolished. How do you do it day in and day out at the level of excitement you show? Well, I think it's easier when you don't care about PPTQs and Pro Tours. When when you just want to like make crazy, janky things happen and you don't have to worry about any of that stuff, uh, there's always something new that I haven't done yet. Uh, and there's so many formats. I think that's the biggest thing for me. Like I get bored of Standard sometimes, but then there's Modern. And then by the time I get more of mod- uh, bored of Modern, then Standard's back again. So I don't know. I think it's easier when your focus isn't on winning tournaments and qualifying for pro tours or whatever uh, to keep that enthusiasm up. Because I think if I was a competitive player and that was my focus, 
I probably would have lost a lot of uh, enthusiasm with some of the changes that seem to make it really hard for uh, people to qualify for events now compared to how it used to be. So, uh, But when you just play Magic for fun, the game is so good that it's hard not to be enthusiastic all the time because it's just such a fun game to play. How about you, Krim? You've been playing forever. How do you keep your level of enthusiasm high? Uh, you know, I for me, I I love like the competitive side of magic and I love the, you know, just the whatever, let's just see if I can, I don't know, play Parhelion 2 side of magic, right? But I I for me, I I don't know, I just don't I don't mind losing. I don't because I think when I started playing Magic, I lost for like six months straight. Because like I, I, my my local game center was like at the time like uh, Channel Fireball, and I just got destroyed day in and day out. Like and every like all the best players were there at the time, and I I would just keep losing. And and for me, losing isn't a bad thing. Uh, losing is a good thing. I learned from it. I learned what I did wrong, what I could do better next time. Um, and and yeah, like at the same time, when you're having fun. No matter, like, it, it really is cheesy, but it, when you're having fun, it doesn't matter, right? Like, you just, I, I get destroyed and then I just want to, I want to go play more magic. It doesn't change a thing for me. So, yeah. Same for me. Uh, I think magic is so varied that there's always something different to try out. So I used to be like hardcore spike, played a lot of legacy and then modern, and then I switched to standard and then I play limited and then I play commander. So like when I'm bored of something, there's always some other form of magic to play and magic's a pretty good game. I'm sure we all know that. Uh, so it feels pretty different. And uh, even within things uh, like commander clash, we've been playing for a long time and every season I'm doing different things you know i'll always have my jank tribal but you'll actually see my preference for colors change over the seasons and it's pretty cool just finding new ways of playing magic and uh trying different things so yeah and then now at the arena uh, i've been playing a lot of limited so now i'm like 60 cards you guys (laughs) 40 cards is where it's at so (laughs) i don't know i just we just keep evolving as magic players yeah like blue black demons red black demons uh mono black demons (laughs) i'm waiting for mono white demons you can do it it. (laughs) okay next question adam j wise can you explain what the site actually does and how it works i've listened to 200 episodes of the podcast and have no idea other than it has links to seth's videos Huh. <laughs> Sounds like a Richard question. <laughs> I did not plant this. Uh, so on the site, we have you can find deck lists, you can create deck lists, you can share deck lists. Uh, we have card prices for Magic Online and also for physical cards. Uh, we have all the, the preview cards on the website. We have articles. Uh, so we actually have written articles if you've never read any of them on the website as well. So we have all kinds of things on the website. So if you've never checked it out, I encourage you to uh, check it out. Uh, Adopt MDG tokens. With all the new sweet proliferate cards in War of the Spark, is there any kind of commander you'd like to see wizards make with the mechanic? Any kind uh, of commander. Hmm. Uh, something better than the Simic <laughs> Mythic, whose name I can't remember. Rolex. <laughs> Rolex. Rolex. Rolex, yes, Rolex. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe something... I think it would be cool to have some sort of, like, Helix Pinnacle mechanic, like a commander that if you can proliferate on it enough times, something cool happens or you win the game. That would be neat. All right, I'm going to be that guy. 
I want to see a legendary infect creature. <laughs> Richard, <laughs> we got Skitherix. <laughs> we could use another one, I guess. I, I want to see like a five C <laughs> infect creature, or I don't know what other counters can we. I want to see like weird counters, like you know, like brick counters and things like that. Like not the plus one plus one or minus one minus one, but just like magnet. strange counters. <laughs> yeah, you can play with tumble magnet. Oh boy! <laughs> All right, Dylan Hunter with so many new planeswalkers and more of the spark. There means a bunch more options for planeswalker tribal. Who is at the top of the list? I've got my fingers crossed on Tamio. Oh man. I have to go through it. So the criteria for Planeswalker Tribal has always been that the Planeswalker needs three non-Planeswalker deck printings. So the question is, which of the Planeswalkers, because we've done almost all of them uh, that already had three versions. So I haven't actually went through the list now and saw which uh, Planeswalkers went from two to three with this set. I'm sure there's some, uh, like... Karn would enter the list when it wasn't on there before, so that's a possibility. Domri possibly would be on there. Uh, so I'm gonna have to go through the list and figure out. Uh, Rao, I think, is another one that went, uh, actually has enough versions now, and Teferi, unfortunately. Uh, wow. Enough too, so. <laughs> I'm sitting right here. So I, I, I gotta, I gotta go through and make a list, but there's definitely a bunch of new possibilities now that, uh, we have these new planeswalkers. All right, last question. Also from Dylan Hunter. Are there any plans for more deconstructed videos from Fletcher? I really enjoyed those and would love to see more. So currently, no. (laughs) But uh, if you would like to see them, leave a comment. And uh, if it's popular, we can bring it back. And Uh, I think Matt is working on some stuff. I don't think it's deconstructed, but there will be more Matt stuff, I believe, uh, coming up here. So, Yeah. All right podcast is long so we'll cut off fish meal there for this week if you have any questions send them next week to at mtg goldfish with the hashtag mtg fish and we'll get to your questions on air and i think that brings us to the end of episode 220 of the mtg goldfish podcast so richard crib thanks for hanging out thanks to everyone for listening thanks to spikes academy for supporting the show you can get 10 percent off is spikesacademy.com with the code goldfish so until next week when we should have the full war of the spark spoiler we can talk about the whole set this is the crew signing out